Good morning. So good to see you this morning. I'll see, I'll see if this still works. He is risen. There we go. He is risen today just as he was last Sunday. It's the reason we call it the Lord's Day because the Lord was resurrected on Sunday morning. And uh, we worship him every Sunday and every day and every moment of our lives because he's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen? Well, I want to introduce you to my friend Charlie Costa. I'm so glad you're here, Brother Charlie. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, sure. Sorry about that. There you go. Uh, man, we're excited to have you today. We, I just thought after Easter it'd be, it'd be uh, kind of a good forum just to do more of a, a kind of an interview instead of a message, and that's the reason we chose this. But um, just so glad you're here with us, and uh, we, we have prayed for you and supported you and been a friend of yours for a long, long time. You were telling me back in, in the back that you have preached here on this stage behind us in the, this room for, for 40, 40 years or so, something uh, like 30, 40. No, no need to mention. Oh, okay, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so we are uh, glad to have you back. Um, you know, I, Charlie and I got connected again in the last couple of weeks, and I do a little podcast called the Healthy Church Podcast, and, and uh, we had Charlie on um, just a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it's funny because even as he was speaking on the podcast, uh, in my heart I thought, I wonder if he's busy the Sunday after, after Easter, and I just thought, I was like, yeah, he's, he's, he's booked up. When he, he doesn't come to the States that often, and when he's here, he's booked up. And I just kind of dismissed the idea, and we were finishing the, the conversation. He goes, hey, do you guys have anybody the Sunday after Easter? And I was like, no, would you come? I was like, the Lord, it must be doing something. So if, if you're sensing that as much as I am, we would love for you to come and be with us. And so we're so glad you're here. I'm, I'm glad to be here, too. Um, uh, several of the faces are good friends and uh, A mentor of mine sits here. Yes. Uh, who's been sort of my mission's father for the last uh, 30 years almost. So I'm always happy to see Brother Jerry and Miss Sue. And uh, a dear colleague, Brother Jeff. Yeah. Who was on the field too. Um, so it's always a pleasure. Yeah. Well, you have been connected to our network of churches for a long, long time. Uh, but a lot of these folks are not as familiar with you. So I thought it might be good just to kind of ask a few simple questions about, uh, about you so that we can kind of get to know you before we kind of get into some of uh, the sure. specifics of the ministry. Are sure. you originally from Beirut? Yes. I was born in Lebanon Okay. Uh, several years ago. <laughs> Uh, and uh, you can see the results of living in Lebanon. Uh, the hair that did not fall out uh -huh. turned gray. Yes. So, uh, but uh, I was born there. I grew up until I was, uh, I grew there, uh, I grew up there until I was 17. Then because of the Civil War, I came to America. Okay. And... Uh, the rest is history. And went to school in Conway at Central, at, at Central Baptist College? At Central Baptist College, okay. yes. Uh, awesome. Well, I just wanted to get a few pieces of information from you. So now, do you currently pastor a church in yes. Beirut? Okay. And mm -hmm. how long have you done that? Uh, I've pastored the church uh, on two occasions, the same church. Mm 
When I first went back after I finished school, I pastored it for four years, then left to work on the, I guess I can brag, the only indigenous Sunday school curriculum in the Middle East from uh, uh, kindergarten to 12th grade. Wow. So I worked for nine years on producing that uh, through Arab writers. So we, I didn't write it all. I wrote a good portion of it, but we had other writers. So I trained writers, uh, edited the material, published it, and also trained teachers to use it. Right. So and all have, over the Arab world. Yeah, wonderful. And, you, and you've, we talked the other day. You're involved in a lot of different things. You said the other day you're the president of the Baptist Convention in Lebanon. Yeah, I'm the Baptist Pope. Yes. I thought that was Jerry, but okay. All right, thank you. Thank you for your blessing. Yes. Now, uh, it's not just you involved in ministry, right, in Beirut. You have a whole yes. team. You um, kind of raised that team up personally. Yes. Well, <laughs> it starts with my family. Right. Brother Jerry and Miss Sue know them uh, one by one. Actually, Miss Sue was asking me about my grandkids. I'm a very proud grandfather. I think uh, I have found my purpose in life now is take care of my grandkids. And uh, I live and die by the time uh, uh, I talk to them, you know, I wait for the time I chat with them. And uh, uh, they put me to shame with electronics, you know, seven years old and four years old. and. They know more about things, you know, phones and pads and computers than I do, but that's another story. Um, so the whole family is involved in ministry. Uh, both my son and my daughter are BMA missionaries also. And uh, uh, my daughter uh, is a medical doctor. She's a cardiologist, and she heads our medical missions in the Middle East for us, for the BMA. And she works in several charity clinics. She doesn't have her own clinic. And I blame for that this man right here. <laughs> okay, here's the story. This is a real story. So when my daughter decided to go to med school, I said, listen, honey, I will beg, borrow, and steal, if need be, to put you through med, med school. When you're done with your specialty and you open your clinic, I will retire. All right? So I thought I'm going to have the life I've always desired. And one day, Brother Jerry was visiting Lebanon, and he preached in our church. Let's see where this is going. Yeah. And he just hammered away at, about, at you know, going... Uh, on mission for Christ. By the end of the service, she came to me and she said, Dad, I have something to tell you. I have made the commitment to Christ to serve him. Uh, I want to be a missionary doctor. Right after that service. So I didn't know whether to cry <laughs> for joy or cry that there went my retirement. Right. You know? 
But that was the story. That's how Brother Jerry, when I say they've been involved in our lives all this time, that's what I meant. So um, she finished her specialty in cardiology. She did her training in some of the most reputable hospitals here in the States, like MD Anderson, Mayo Clinic, Emory in Atlanta. Uh, there's one more. Anyway, but uh, I think you get the idea. And all of that excellent training uh, is put to the service of Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, as you can assume, working in charity clinics, uh, you know, tells you that there's not uh, that income that a doctor of her caliber uh, can make if she worked for her, herself. Right. But God has been good to her and her husband, and they love the Lord. Uh, he's, her husband is also in ministry. And then my son um, uh, also uh, got his MBA and after a degree in IT. And then one day came to me and said, Dad, my heart is not there. It's somewhere else. And I want to go into ministry. Uh, I want to work with young adults. That's his specialty. He works with young adults all kinds of different uh, challenges that they face, including the LB, GTQ, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, mm -hmm. you know, all these uh, letters, you know. Uh, he works with all these groups of people sharing Christ. Actually, he has a Bible study group for these wonderful people that we love because Jesus loved and died for them. Amen. Um, we don't agree with them. I'm sorry, but we love them right. nonetheless. So he's very involved in that, and he's excellent in social media. Mm -hmm. You know, very much like has a you. broadcast that he does. He has several actually, and he's involved. He created a team, a production team around him, that uh, also does things in different languages. So we have a broadcast in Armenian, in the Armenian language, to the Armenian community. Uh, and we're developing that. Uh, so he's involved in that uh, with his wife. And it's funny, when there's a lockdown in the country, uh, his wife operates the cameras. Uh, and when I'm recording, he operates the cameras. And uh, we try to do things uh, uh, you know, in-house, uh, and by God's grace, we've managed to uh, provide an excellent content. Add to that, I'm on radio seven days a week, seven days a week, uh, two radio stations. One is Radio Alive, which is online. Uh, I think you can access it even now, radioalive.org. Unfortunately, you won't understand a lick, but that's another story because it's all in Arabic. Uh, but um, that's one station. And the other is uh, Be Light FM. Uh, 105.7 FM covers all of Lebanon. And people hear the sound of my voice at least four times a day. Uh, at 6, 12, 6 in the evening, 12 midnight. Um, that's doing Bible readings. 
And then I have a preaching program also that comes on during the week. So plenty of opportunities, plenty of ministry. That's, we're just talking about Lebanon. We haven't mentioned the other four countries we're very much involved in uh, in the Middle East. Everything you've said so far sounds very similar to what we're used to. I mean, we have radio, we have preaching broadcasts, we have uh, ministry cameras. We have, you know, it sounds very similar to what we're used to. But bring us into the reality of the context, because I think the elephant, in some ways, in the room. Anytime Americans hear the words Middle East, <laughs> you know, we we, begin, we I think immediately go to a fear or to uh, terrorism, ISIS. Al-Qaeda, whatever the case may be that makes us go, uh, you know, bring us into the reality of some of uh, what you have faced in your history. Is there, is there a violent Islamic uh, oppression or persecution against Christians in Beirut or in the area? Just bring uh, us into some of that. In the Middle East, yes. In Lebanon, uh, the Christian presence is much larger than any other Middle Eastern country. So it's pretty mu we're pretty much protected in that sense. That's not to say we have not faced challenges. I've been threatened more than once. Uh, uh, we have military guard outside the church on Sunday uh, to protect the church. Uh, uh, these are things, I, I call them all in a day's work, you know. Uh, you get used to them, you see them all the time. But uh, we've been through different, I mean, you have, listen to this, you have Turkey and the move toward the uh, Muslim Brotherhood by Erdogan. Uh -huh. uh, the guy wants to return the glories of the old Ottoman Empire. Uh -huh. Then you have Iran that wants to make the whole Middle East, convert the Middle East into Shia Islam, okay? And then you have Israel. Israel is a big player in the area. And you have Egypt, you have Saudi Arabia, all of these, not to mention Syria, all of these surround little Lebanon, okay? And Lebanon is the base. We go out to the rest of the Middle East from Lebanon. It's a very important base to protect that presence. So um, there, are, there are challenges, there are fears. Um, uh, as I said earlier, we're in a total of five countries, Lebanon, of course. We're in Jordan, Syria, Egypt, and South Sudan. In the past, we did work in Iraq, and the church still active, still going strong in Baghdad. Brother Jerry been there with me. Uh, we had uh, a missionary in Mauritania for a number of, of years until it got to be uh, very uh, threatening to him because another missionary was shot right there on the street just for the sake he was a missionary. Right. So he moved to Spain, but we work with North Africans, and we have a church plant in the city of Malaga, Spain, that uh, has um, North Africans, uh, North African converts who are members from Islam. They converted to Christ. So there is a very busy um, uh, work for the BMA in those parts of the world. And uh, 
I've had the, the privilege of uh, overseeing that work and, and training these guys and working with them. And I've had the support over the years from the missions department, mainly Brother Jerry, who spearheaded uh, international missions. Uh, so all of this uh, has given us a great and uh, uh, exciting um, picture of, uh, of a church that is vibrant and that grows under uh, persecution. Mm -hmm. I want to show you a video. If, uh, our friends in the back will... Uh, uh, play that video. I want you just to listen to the facts that are listed in the video, and then I want to say something that relates to this. Hi, friends. I hope this video finds you well after a long, frustrating, devastating, and ever-changing, never-ending year. Things all around the globe have been wild the last 10, 11 months especially in the parts uh, where we are currently living. This video will simply be a summary of what we're going through, how the Lord has used the current narrative for His glory, and how you can pray for us. Lebanon has been through a tough 14-month period. Tough doesn't even begin to define what people here have been going through. I'll tell you some stats in short. More than 35% unemployment. The currency has lost six times its power compared to the U.S. dollar. And inflation, according to a recent World Bank report, is 365%, second only to Venezuela. Lebanon is ranked 137th out of 180 countries on the 2019 Corruption Perceptions Index. And to top all of that, the August 4th Beirut port explosion. It killed more than 200 people, injured 6,000, and caused damage worth $15 billion. Although we can't change this narrative and reality, the Lord has been with us all along. Through this adversity, He has provided, He has been merciful and loving. Through all what we've been through, we can see His hand at work and know that He is our rock. Although all of our conferences, speaking engagements, trainings have been canceled during the 2020 because of COVID-19, we have tried to maintain a lot of that ministry through Zoom and other social media platforms. In addition to all that, we have been able to bless hundreds of families with food packages and vouchers. One of the blessings of this year has been getting our new offices and studio. Because of your faithfulness, we have been able to increase the scope of our ministry in the midst of the worst crisis we have ever seen in our lifetime. The crowning of all this came last week 
when we were able to be back on the air through B-Light 105.7 FM in broadcasts covering all of Lebanon. This would not have been possible without you, dear friends. God only will repay your generosity. Thank you so much. So, uh, actually, this little pamphlet that you picked up, some of you picked up at the door, has even more up-to-date uh, information. Uh, because since we did that video, the Lebanese currency even dropped further. Just to illustrate, if you were making a salary equivalent in Lebanese currency to $1,000, now your salary is equivalent to $100. That's it. Okay. So that can tell you a lot of what people are facing today. That's why we, uh, uh, we distribute food packages and uh, uh, food vouchers to uh, a little more than 600 families every month. And these families are visited, are cared for, um, and obviously that cannot be done without the help of our churches, uh, which we'll come to a little bit later. But um, for us, Drew, adversity always means opportunity, always. When we go through adversity, the Lord has taught me over the last 40 years in ministry to look behind it. And if you look behind adversity, you'll see opportunity lurking behind the door. Amen. You know, just, just, you need to look for it. There's always a silver lining. There's always something God's hand is preparing that is veiled by adversity, okay? Uh, but the Lord has taught us in Scripture and in life that we need to look beyond. Let him worry about the adversity and us worry about the opportunity and how to fulfill that opportunity that God has given us. Yeah. So uh, the Lord has been good to us. Let me just tell you what something happened two days ago since we talked. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm the president of the Baptist Convention. And uh, uh, can I continue bragging? Uh, sure. Sure. Okay, good. Brother Jerry does it all the time. They're used to it. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. I'm also, I'm also uh, the presiding judge on the Court of Appeals in family court. Uh, so uh, as you shake my hand on the way out, you may call me your honor. <laughs> and... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, actually, that's the top of the p judicial pyramid in our family court system. So, uh, um, all of these give me opportunities. That's, by the way, that's not a paid position. That's uh, an appointed volunteer position. So, yeah. uh, lest anybody think I'm making a killing. <laughs> you, know. uh, you mentioned, uh, go ahead, if you are. Uh, just want to yeah. tell you what happened. So I have a team working with me 
uh, in these different capacities. And in the convention, we have a church planting coordinator that I have asked to use the time that I was gone to do some work, some research. And he called me two days ago. He said, we have identified seven areas, seven young men to do church planting. So think in the light of all these details, and that's why I showed the video. Mm -hmm. In the light of all these difficult circumstances that we are still pursuing opportunities to do church planting. And now whether all will pan out, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But we're in the first stage of identifying areas and identifying people, identifying resources, all of that. But, uh, and, and I said all this to say, adversity is not an excuse. So if we're going through a difficult uh, financial situation in our lives, or even family situation, or whatever situation in our jobs, in our universities, whatever, that is not an excuse to give to God and say, look, Lord, I'm going through a tough time. I can't do what you want me to do. Not acceptable. Right. Okay? So uh, try to find a better excuse than that. And my suggestion is look for the opportunity hidden in that time of adversity because it is then that God is telling you what to do for him. You mentioned the explosion and, of course, COVID over 2020 and still. Um, I'm sure all of that has kind of been the catalyst for some of the economic downturn oh, and all this, everything together. Mm -hmm. But um, that has, obviously, you've, you look for the opportunity, but it's changed your ministry. No question. You've yes. found opportunities and you begin to work within those opportunities in the middle of crisis. What yes. other areas, because this was a, a major explosion. This was, you didn't say it, but you told it to me the other day the third largest non-nuclear explosion in history. Yes. I mean, that's huge. And uh, I'm sure people are still reeling from the effects that just happened in August. Um, 30,000 30, homes were destroyed. Just an idea. Destruction extended to a 10-mile radius. The impact was felt 120 miles away. And there was an earthquake caused by the explosion uh, at 4.5 on Richter scale. Yeah. I mean, I was sitting in, in our living room at home, and our house was literally doing the tango. That's all I can say. Wow. Uh, and I make light of the situation because that's the only, or one of the mechanisms we use to cope, yeah. you know. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, our church was damaged because the church is less than a mile as the crow flies from, the, uh, uh, from ground zero. Um, it was damaged. I mean, the huge uh, wooden door probably weighs more than 500 pounds huge thing, was totally ripped out with the frame, with the whole thing, I mean, totally ripped out of its place 
and thrown uh, f uh, several feet away, you know. Uh, that's not to mention the glass. The glass is, uh, you know, uh, a given. Uh, but um, you mentioned going by there that that's your normal mode of travel. Yes. Kind of explain yes. that. Yes. Well, see, during the COVID lockdown, I I know the Lord was in it. You know, pressed on my mind to do the you know to to uh, prepare new offices and. Uh, you know, move our offices from the church building to this new location. And I worked hard at it. And the first day for the staff in the new office was on the 3rd of August. And the explosion happened on the 4th, a day later. That would have been the trek that I would take to come home from the office, is to pass through uh, the coastal uh, road, which runs immediately in front of the entrance to Beirut port. So I would have been a few hundred feet from the point of the explosion. Okay. Um, look, it, it's part and parcel. You have to make your peace with the idea of dying. Okay, and this is not the first time. I've been shot at, sniped at. Um, uh, one thing that helps me personally deal with all of that is uh, the fact that I believe I'm not gonna die a minute earlier than the Father has in His will for me. Uh, and I'm not gonna live a minute later. Right. You know? So, you know, no matter what comes, if the Lord says you're going to stay alive, that means I'm going to stay alive. It doesn't matter. Right. So that helps me sure. uh, make peace with that idea. And that helps me go into dangerous areas. Brother Jerry knows what happened in Baghdad, for example. I mean, uh, my name and Brother Roy Toby's name back then, y'all don't know Brother Roy Toby, but he was in charge of uh, BMMI, uh, his name and mine were out on the street. They were out for us, you know? And my, I didn't tell my wife for a whole year. Otherwise, I, she wouldn't have let me go to Baghdad. But we continued going. And the fun part in Baghdad was is that we had a portable baptistry in the trunk of the car. Okay? And... I can't tell you the numbers of people that have been baptized, been saved and baptized through our work in Baghdad. And the greatest feeling is uh, what I experienced when, uh, for example, I was in Toronto, Canada preaching and a young lady uh, uh, had asked the pastor of the church to share her testimony. She came up, she's Iraqi, uh, and she said, I've been saved under the ministry of this man, and he baptized me, you know. And I, I don't remember her. Wow. We baptized literally hundreds of people, hundreds of people uh, that have come to Christ. And many of them are still in touch with us. And as a result of that ministry, actually, we have an Arabic church in uh, 
Garland, Texas. Uh, Brother Ashraf Sarah uh, pastors that church, you know. Uh, Brother Jerry and I participated in the ordination of his father, Brother Nabil, who's retired now. He's an elderly gentleman now, and he's retired. But we, uh, uh, we went to Baghdad uh, uh, after planting that church. We organized that church, and in the same service of organization, ordained Nabil as the pastor of the church. And then Ashraf, his son, came up in the ranks, took the uh, mantle of uh, uh, leadership, and we have a great church. Wonderful. I consider them my grandkids. Sure, of course. You, so part of your role in ministry is, is overseeing some of these churches, church planting, development training of these young, young pastors. You mentioned to us in the podcast that because the economic situation uh, in, in Beirut or in Lebanon, um, that there are many people who are struggling to eat. Yes. And uh, that's hard to wrap your brain around, but that many pastors as well. Yes. Are, are, explain a little bit of that to us. Well, I mean, as I explained about the value of salaries, mm -hmm. we have pastors now that make uh, $80 a month or $100 a month or $120 a month. Now, back then, that was sufficient because the value of the Lebanese currency was enough to buy what they needed to eat. Now, they're starting to go hungry. And that's why we started a, a new project for the pastors. You'll read about it in that pamphlet that we're going to... I made a commitment to the pastors that I will... Um, uh, support them uh, for one year uh, on monthly basis, uh, give each of them, 16 pastors, uh, $300 a month, uh, which is nothing here in the States, but over there, uh, they can make ends meet that way. I know when we were talking about it on the podcast, it just kind of struck my heart. And uh, so I would like for us as a church to, to remember those pastors and Charlie, as he's, as he's leading and thinking of them and caring for them, and, and even as the Lord lays on your heart to potentially give to this ministry, think about how that might go even to help those pastors. Uh, Charlie, we ask on the podcast, and it's, it's, I thought it was very important for us to even say it today, and that is, you know, I think, um, I love the fact that you are a pastor and evangelist and leader in that area, and yet my brother in Christ and so I highly value your opinion of kind of some of the things that you see in the American church. And uh, because, friends, there's not really supposed to be uh, differences in quality or uh, belief system or life uh, lived between this national church or another national church. We're just supposed to be the church of Jesus wherever we are, right? Following the principles of Jesus from his word. And so I asked Charlie the other day, I said, man, tell me what your thoughts are right now about the American church. Like, if there was a couple of things that you could encourage us, that you could challenge us, um, anyway, I thought it would be good for you to kind of hear kind of some of the things that Charlie said. Well, um, I don't uh, want to sound critical because uh, we are all in the same boat as Christians. 
So I'm not being judgmental in any way because I fall under the same judgment. Okay. Um, but my concern for Christians, not only in America, all over the world, um, is how serious are they about their faith in Christ? How serious? Let me illustrate. Uh, you remember the story of Abraham when God uh, came to him in the night and said, I want you to get up, take your son, um, and go offer him as a sacrifice. Just think for a moment, if God came to you to say that, what is your first reaction? Are you serious? God, are you serious? So, when I think about asking God that, God says, of course I'm serious. I offered my own son a sacrifice. Now, here's the question. Are you serious? What will you offer God? That's the deal. I was talking to a pastor uh, three, four days ago. We had coffee together. And he said, I read the history of our church. Everything in that written history of our church revolves around buildings. In this year, we built this building. In this year, we added Family Life Center. In this year, we added the parking lot. In this year, is this what churches are about? Buildings? I tell churches, hey, when Christ comes back, what are you going to offer him? A beautiful building? What are you going to offer him? A nice bank account that you have faithfully kept and invested and made good interest on the money, and, and then you hand the Lord the book and say, look, look, Lord, we've been very faithful with our tithes. Look at the numbers we have. Let me tell you this, in our church, I instituted long time ago a policy, zero balance at the end of the year, zero balance. After we pay those who serve the Lord in the church, after we take care of expenses, all money has to go to ministry. Nothing remains in the bank, nothing. When God comes again, as Christ descends, I want to say to Jesus, look, Lord, we're broke. But here am I and the children. Here are the children. Here are the souls. Here are the people from all over the world. It doesn't matter from where. That we have been able to reach just for you with a message of the cross. Look, this is what it's all about. It's the cross. Mm -hmm. uh, Martin Luther used to talk about theologia crucis, the theology of the cross. Mm 
when you think about it, it's not the resurrection. It's not Christmas. Great men, history and tradition and, and uh, uh, mythology tell us all kinds of stories about people who were born the virgin birth or who have risen from the dead. But nowhere else are we told about a God that was willing to become a man to die. For nothing he had done but for our sins. That's the beauty. That's the beauty. So think about as a church, what are you going to present the Lord? God placed you here in Little Rock at a strategic place. Is it about the building or is it about the people of Little Rock? Right. Is it about the people of Arkansas? And even more, we can go from Jerusalem to Samaria to the ends of the earth. That tells God how serious you are. When you start giving and sacrificing until it hurts. God did that, you know. It hurt him deeply to see his son screaming, my God, my God, why has you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? You know? You think God was enjoying the scene? That's when you're a serious Christian. It's not an issue of, uh, I noticed the logo here, you know. It's not attend a service, but belong to a family. Family has purpose, right. has a vision. They want to accomplish things together. And they want to support each other to accomplish things individually also. But it's all for that vision. This is your challenge, South City. You know? Uh, obviously, I want you to support our work. I tell people if, uh, you know, when missionaries come up and start talking about their mission work, people look at them and in their mind they're saying, oh, here's another missionary who wants our money. And I tell them, you're right. <laughs> I don't want to lie. <laughs> uh, we're, uh, we need the money to do the work, but I don't want people to give money to ease their conscience. I want people to give money because they want to partner, they want to pray, they want to be involved. And say, look, it's not only my money, it's my heart, it's my prayer, it's my knees that are involved in this. I can't go to the Middle East but I can wage war from here because ultimately it's spiritual warfare. Right. And because of that, all of us can be involved in the same battle. Anyway, enough preaching. No, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I, I want to just challenge the folks as well. You know, I was thinking as Charlie's talking, 
can't help but think about Jesus when he said, if you want to be my disciple, right, this, in other words, the definition for discipleship from Jesus is that you deny yourself, that you take up your cross, your own death of yourself in essence, right, and that you follow Christ. And what an important message, not only what Charlie has given us today, but to think about Jesus calling us to discipleship. Are we serious about that? What are we denying in our own lives to make Christ known, to be able to give, to be able to, to make disciples here and around the world? How are we taking up our cross and saying, Lord, yes, I might have wanted to do this or that, or I, I had a vision for it, but God, I just, I want to die to myself so that you might live through me and that people might be made disciples. What are we doing to do that? Are we serious, South City? Are we more serious about attending a service and then going home and getting some chicken? And I love chicken. Fried, please. Yes, sir. Amen. But are we, are, is that what we are? Is that what church is? I go to a thing, I hear a guy speak, and I can go home and pat myself on the back. Or are we going, Jesus, I'm yours, and I lay my life down, and I deny myself to know you more, to love you more, to be connected to your cross, to die to myself so that you might live through me. Amen. That's the prayer. That's the heart of, of what we're saying today. And uh, I, I, as we close, I, you know, you may be feeling led to give to Charlie's ministry. These uh, brochures are back there on the table. Um, we also have a way to give on our church center app uh, to Brother Charles and to his ministry. You might want to give towards those pastors who are hungry today. And, and that would go to the same place and he'll distribute that as he sees the need. Uh, but we just, just wanted to give you this opportunity to see what God is doing in the Middle East, uh, see the heart of this man and his ministry. And we're just so thankful for you, your man. time. What, is there anything specifically yeah, else that we me, can pray for you? Let me uh, point you to the last, uh, to the back of the pamphlet. It says, please pray for three things. Number one, perseverance. It's very easy to give up. Hmm. It's very easy. And I will be very transparent with you. In the last year, I got very close to that. Very close. To the point where I gathered the family around the Sunday dinner table. And I said, listen, uh, if things keep going the way they are going, are we going to evacuate? And uh, unanimously, without hesitation, both kids and their spouses and my wife said, no, we're staying. We need to stay. Worst case scenario, we pull out to Jordan, but we will remain in the region to be able to do what we need to do. It's not easy. It's not easy. But you need to pray for us, pray for perseverance, pray for protection, and pray for provision. Three Ps. Perseverance, protection, and provision. 
I want to challenge you to give. I want to challenge not only individuals to give, but I want to challenge the church, the elders of the church, to sit, pray, see God's face, and be willing to give generously to these needs there as we try to help people uh, survive and help the ministry continue. Both things, both things. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm extremely grateful, extremely excited. Uh, I was very excited how our connection was reignited. I felt that was providential, to be honest with you, uh, when we got together to do the podcast. And uh, I really felt that it was uh, God's doing, and I'm thankful to Amen. you too. Thank you, man. Me too, yeah, absolutely. Well, listen. I want us to just do that for a few moments. We're going to ask the team to go ahead and come on up. Uh, I want us just to process some of what we're thinking, what's on your heart, how God might be moving in you. So those three things we can pray about for the next few minutes, or you can pray about your discipleship and, and what, how serious you may be in Christ or not, and that God might be moving in some way. And if so, we'll be down here. Uh, I'll be down here to, to receive you and talk if you need to talk to somebody or pray with someone. Or you might just want to come and, and pray in the altar area as we sing this song of surrender because that's what missions takes that's what a life in Christ is it's when we say God it's not about me and one of the things Charlie said to me this morning uh, I love brother Charlie he, he occasionally is pretty blunt you know I love this the cultural thing it's great he goes I don't want this this time to be about me and I love that this life in Christ is not about us it's about a life in Christ and so as God is moving in your heart, as you pray for Brother Charles, you pray for your own heart to be missional. Let's just take a few moments before we close our service and give this time to the Lord, however he moves as we sing this song.